At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Oh, look at this. We're ready to rock and roll. I'm not quite ready, but we'll make it up now that we're here. We got two hours to hang with you on Birds 365. How are you, everybody? Your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, here with you for the next couple hours, right? You're going to hang for the two hours, Mac. You don't have to go anywhere, do you? Don't have to go anywhere in the two hours, but, you know, I always say we're day-to-day, Jody. Technically, we're minute-to-minute, so hopefully right. I can. You never know. Wi-Fi problems, I uh, think, you know. I think I'll, I'll split the difference. I'm hour-to-hour. Hour. I don't know about you. You might yeah. be minute-to-minute. Minute. We're all both better than day-to-day, day, but I'll go about hour-to-hour. Hour. So we get this first hour in. We'll regroup. We'll get a second hour in. It'll be all good. Thanks for tuning in to this Thursday edition of Bird 65, show number 64. 64. 64. Yeah. So we're sneaking up on 100. And we are less than. You know, than three. I, I, I got to start doing this. I got to start uh, doing a Russell Baxter thing and start yes. saying, okay, what's the best number 64 in NFL history? I got to start that. Yeah. I, got, I might have to go into Russell's uh, sort of uh, uh, laboratory and come up with something. And uh, all you got to do is go back on his Twitter because he does it all the time. That is one of Russell's uh, key elements on Twitter. He's a good follow at Backs Football Guru, uh, Russell Baxter, who will get back on the show down the road a little bit. Uh, we are having our favorite guest. He comes on basically whenever we're stuck. Um, and oh, by the way, every time he does, he brings information and good insight. Eddie Kratz is going to join us. We have a new first time guest that we'll give you details on. Coming up. Uh, but where do I want to start today, Johnny Mac? One of two places. And I, I sent you a question I was probably going to ask you last night as I was prepping to do one of the three shows I did yesterday. Um, but I'm going to hold off on that. Instead, I'm going to lead off today's show talking about the former coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That would be Doug Peterson, who has been making the rounds here in the last couple of weeks to the Philadelphia show. He did a golf tournament here in town that he talked to some media people. And he hopped on Sirius XM's NFL radio, and he had some interesting things to say, one of which I am going to uh, make note of because I agreed with the organization. I believed the organization when they said what they said more than 12 <laughs> months ago on draft night when they used the second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, and most people who covered the team, most Eagle fans lost their mind. How could they do that? What are they thinking? Why are they wasting the second-round pick? Carson Wentz is the franchise quarterback. 
I was cool with it all along because I believed when they said, and it was the first thing that popped into my night, my head that night before we heard from either Doug Peterson or Howie Roseman, they drafted a backup quarterback and they got one relatively inexpensive as the price of backup quarterbacks was going up and up and up and up. And we knew what happened with Nick Foles. They won a Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. Then he got too good and too expensive for them to be able to keep him as their backup quarterback. And that's why he went elsewhere. So the price is going up in a capped world. If you can get a competent backup quarterback for what you're going to pay a second round draft pick in his first year on his rookie deal, I thought that was a pretty good move. I thought it was an okay value for the use of the draft pick. Most people did not, you included. Um, Doug Peterson doubled down on it and said, yeah, we were drafting a backup quarterback. Every year you go into the draft, and if you believe that you're good at evaluating quarterbacks, you're looking at all the quarterbacks who are available, and then you decide where exactly you're going to take one. Eagles decided in the second round because they thought Jalen Hurts was value at that time. Well, now we jettison ahead 14, 15, 16 months later, mm-hmm. and a whole lot of stuff went down. Not all of it good for the Eagles. But going back to that night, I didn't have a problem with it. I believe Doug Peterson when he says that's why they took Jalen Hurts to become their backup quarterback. Do you? Oh, I believe him. I believed him that night. I believed the Eagles that night. That was the plan. This was a cost-effective backup for a quarterback that had some injury issues. Although, you know, had proven he could get through full seasons. People go back to the concussion in the playoff game. But remember, he played that entire season. Um, So I believed it. That wasn't the issue. The issue was, and I called it the night of the draft. I wrote about it on Sports Illustrated at the time. And Ed Kratz will be on the show in a couple minutes. I, I called it a vacuum pick. I called it a laboratory pick. You know, in 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 perfect circumstances you know when you have when you're working with deadly viruses this sounds pretty good let's get a cost effective backup you're not taking into effect human nature and remember what doug peterson said jody here's the problem they drafted a backup quarterback who's now their starting quarterback so that kind of tells you something now doug also said in the context of those quotes also doubled down remember Carson Wentz was 10 months off the record extension, not only for this organization, uh, but for the NFL as a whole. Now, as we all know, fast forward, if things worked out with Carson Wentz, that contract is actually team friendly. So I had no problem with the Eagles doing that either. But 10 months off of that extension, they draft another quarterback at number 53 overall. As I said, 27-year-old quarterback, that is unprecedented in the Super Bowl era. Unprecedented. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for a reason. Hindsight, we know those reasons now, Jody. And by the way, I didn't think it would explode to the level it did. Even I didn't think it would be as bad as it did. So now you can look back and say, oh, geez, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. Or you can, and the Eagles have to do this, and I I don't blame them for doing this. They said, well, you know, Carson didn't work out. Now we have a guy with an upside. They have to spin it in a positive way. I have no problem with that. But my, my point was Doug is telling you the truth. The plan, the plan was for Jalen Hurts to be a cost effective backup for four years and then spin them off for hopefully 
you could convince somebody this guy could be a starting quarterback, maybe play two games somewhere along the line, maybe get a first-round pick for him, something of that nature. Didn't work out that way. And it was a disaster for the fellow. Not about the player. Not about the player. It's about the organization thinking they were smarter than everybody else because everybody else doesn't do this for a reason. I talked about groupthink yesterday. This is where the Eagles should have went groupthink. And they didn't go group thing. And they thought they were smarter than everybody in the room. They made a mistake. It wasn't picking Jalen Hurts. The logic, as you said, in a vacuum was defendable. And I think actually maybe ahead of the curve. And yes, they might have been trying to be smarter than other teams. And if it had never been done before, that within 10 months of giving someone as big a contract to Carson Wentz, Scott, uh, no team has ever taken a quarterback that I, I get all of that. It could have been done right if they had a clue as to how it was going to affect Carson Wentz. And no one really knows. They, you can't possibly know. But you've been around the guy. The coaching staff's been around the guy. You've spent quality time with him. You think you've got a grasp on his mindset as to how he's going to handle something like that. I'll also chastise the Eagles because I don't think enough conversations were had. Maybe no. they were in that paranoid mode. We talk about all together too often here on Birds 365 that, oh, you can't give up the state secrets. You know, oh, God forbid we show up on uh, hard knocks because someone will know our secret sauce on how to win football games. Well, sometimes you need to put that aside and just make the common sense move, which is talk to the guy, see how he handles it. If he handles it okay, you go ahead, you implement the plan. If he's going nuts, if he's screaming and yelling and you think he's going to lose his mind, like I think at least in part Carson Wentz did, then you rethink it and you might not make the pick. But I defended the pick that night. I'll defend it till the day I die. It made sense. Here's what I didn't know. And I kind of leaned on the Eagles knowing, which right now we know they had no clue that Carson Wentz would be able to deal with this. That they could look Carson in the eye and explain it to him and say, Carson, here, here's here's why we're doing what we're doing. We think this kid is a borderline first-round talent. He's sitting there in the second round. We need a backup quarterback. The guy who helped us win the Super Bowl, your buddy, well, not really your, that much your buddy because he kind of undercut him because the team actually liked Nick Foles better than they liked Carson Wentz. But the guy who helped get you your Super Bowl ring, Nick Foles is no longer here. So we have to have someone as your backup. We think this kid can get the job done and he will come in. At a, we kind of gave you all that money. So we need a cost-effective backup. <laughs> and we think Jalen Hurts could be that. I, I would have guessed Carson Wentz would have said, all right, I get what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Thanks for telling me ahead of time. You could have turned around and made it like you're bringing him behind the curtain. You're not trying to do something around Carson Wentz. You're including Carson Wentz in your Eagles group think. Apparently, they didn't do that. Or if they did it, they didn't do it well enough. Because we now know, 14 months later, what uh, transpired and Carson Wentz is out of here. I don't. I didn't have a problem then. I still don't have a problem now with the overall mindset of how they played it. But that's something that we can critique the Eagles on you got to be able to have a grasp on your players. you got to know how they're going to react. If you make a decision like that, and I full well knew that it had pretty big ramifications. When you're talking about the quarterback position, it always has uh, pretty big ramifications. 
They had no clue how Carson Wentz was going to react. And I would ask Doug Peterson that. If he was here on our show, I would say, Yeah, which, by the way, Doug, come on our show. I tried to reach out. But anyway, uh, Jody, uh, it's interesting because I disagreed with the pick on when they took it. And now I'm thinking, well, it's not that bad. I'm the exact opposite of you. Um, I didn't think, as I said, I didn't think it would blow up near to the degree. I thought it was a bad pick for the reasons I just stated. Then you add into it. I tell the story all the time. I got the pick about two minutes before they were going to take it. And I hesitated to put it out on, on social media because I said, this can't be true. This can't be true. Ultimately, I got it out there about a minute before they put it on TV. But ultimately, you know, the decision was, and this makes it worse as well. The decision was between Jalen Hurts, uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, who's turned into a pretty good running back with the Ravens, and Jeremy Chin, who turned out to be yeah, a like, really. Can I interrupt for a second? I, I don't. I don't want to do this, but I want you. I certainly want you to finish your story. So it would have been okay to pick a running back when they already had Miles Sanders in place. But it's not okay to pick a quarterback. What would it have done to Miles Sanders' psyche if they had taken Dobbins instead? Is that not the same exact thing? Um, I, I understand what you're saying, but quarterbacks are different, and we all know that. We're seeing with Aaron Rodgers, uh, who is the best quarterback in football, and even he's affected by a guy who is grossly incompetent compared to him and is not even close. Even he's affected. He dislikes the organization so much. He's trying to force his way out. The only reason he's trying to force his way out, no matter what he says publicly, is because they took Jordan Love. And remember, he's old. I, I believe the Packers have a a better uh, a better spin, and, and you can defend the Packers more than you can defend the Eagles because Carson Wentz was 27 years old. But it's interesting because Miles Sanders went backwards from rookie to sophomore season. Maybe if J.K. Dobbins is there. But the second part is the Eagles believe you need more than one running back. So their whole mentality at the time was, well, Miles isn't going to touch it 35 times a game. We want two good running backs, sort of like Cleveland, uh, Nick Chubb and, and, and Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alex. Everybody's got two running backs uh, in the NFL. That's just the way of the NFL. That's what they're going with. And then the guy I would have picked, which is Chin, who's turned into one of the better young safeties in the NFL. And obviously the Eagles have a significant needed safety. However, it worked out because the quarterback fell off the rails so badly. You needed a quarterback. Now you have a young quarterback and we've been through, we'll see. It's up to Jalen Hurts. He'll get a limited opportunity to prove himself to be the starting quarterback of this team. So I'm kind of 180 away from you really disliked it night of, I think now but partially the reason now it's not that bad. Remember, that wasn't the Eagles' plan. That's what Doug also clearly defined in the statements. No, we were not looking to, to replace Carson Wentz. We were not looking to push Carson Wentz. We just wanted a cost-effective backup. And what they didn't do was, you pointed out, Jody, was communicated. Right. I think Howie Roseman knew very quickly that night. Again, I think he's like me. I don't think he ever imagined it could go as bad. But when he had that first conversation with Carson Wentz, it did not go well. It did not go well. He was he was uh, blindsided by it. He started to question the organization as a whole. You remember when all this started, Jody? 
and they were saying, well, can Doug Peterson's relationship with Carson Wentz is fractured. Then they fired Doug Peterson. Carson Wentz still wanted out. He didn't trust the organization. Right. He didn't trust the general manager. He didn't trust the owner. It all harkened back to that night in April of 2020. And although we kind of have some fun with the new Eagles coach and his hammering home, the use of the word competition, everything's a competition. Uh, who's going to get the first lunch coming off the uh, conveyor belt is a competition. Uh, he, he blatantly overstates it, but he's doing so for a reason. I, competition is a good thing. That's one of the things I like about Nick Sirianni. I think he's having fun and overstating it, but how about a little competition in life, Carson Wentz? Was there yeah. really a competition Come on, they did like Jalen Hurts. He's got uh, Nick, uh, Joe Flacco, and Jalen Hurts. Who's going to be the Eagle Cup now? Well, we don't know because there's a competition. Was there really going to be a competition going into last year between Jalen Hurts and Carson no. Wentz? Of no. course not. And there wasn't. There wasn't a competition. He should have handled it better. That's not an argument. But but again, I go back to Aaron Rodgers for a reason. He might already have his gold jacket. They certainly already got it made. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's late 30s, and even he's upset that the Green Bay Packers are starting to think about the future, which they should be. Carson's 27, and that's why I say unprecedented. 27 and 10 months off the largest extension in NFL history from a guaranteed money standpoint, and he's going – what the hell am I missing? What the hell am I going on? But you're right, Jody. You're 100% right. You got to handle it better. You have to handle it better. Just- I agree with that. It doesn't excuse the Eagles' failure to realize those unintended consequences. We yeah. talk about unintended consequences all the time. Look, you can't predict every single one of them. I couldn't have predicted this. But the Eagles should know Carson Wentz better than anybody. They should have at least realized some of the pitfalls and said, whoa, 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 let's slow down. Let's think about this. The critique of the Eagles after the fact is fair. I didn't have a problem with them doing it in the moment, but they didn't know their player as well as they needed to know their player, and shame on them for that. Uh, Let me just ask this question. I think it's probably an unfair question, but I'm not above asking unfair questions to you or anybody else. How does the sliding scale work where drafting a quarterback is acceptable? How young does the present quarterback have to be? How old does the quarterback that's going to be replaced at some time need to be? How much money is he making at the time? Where in the draft is is it a third round? Is it a second round? Is it a first round pick? I, I haven't figured that out yet. Well, Where the sliding nobody, I mean, scale no, of acceptability there, actually comes down? There's no hard and fast rule, but I would say this. If you have a 27-year-old quarterback that you paid more money than anybody else in the history of the game, you shouldn't take a quarterback until day three. I will say that. That's my personal sliding scale. You're always looking for developmental quarterbacks, as Doug said, and Doug is a quarterback, you know, Clayton Thorson's of the world, you know, who cares? You know, Carson, interesting, Carson wanted to draft the Eagles to draft Easton Stick that year. And the Chargers got Stick, who's a North Dakota State guy, and Carson's very close to him right before the Eagles got Clayton Thorson. 
they would have taken stick and everything would have been perfect. You would have had best friends and everything would have been copacetic as the backup quarterback. He's not pushing them. But yeah, Jody, I mean, you got to be real again. Uh, uh, I, 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 I got to hop in again. Uh, hold on one sec. How's Easton Stick doing? It's not doing anything. Oh, okay. Then copacetic is nice. Carson Wentz's mental... But remember, uh, Jody, you do not want the backup quarterback to play. It is the goal that they do not play. It is an insurance policy. Did, did the Eagles and not win the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback? The, the, the biggest did. goal the, the organization ever had. Doug, the biggest that's what Doug said. Was won by a backup quarterback. So how can we de-emphasize backup quarterbacks and go... Oh, what you need to prioritize over whether the guy can actually play or not is the mental state of the guy that you think is going to be your well, partner. I, I, that's I mean, just a crazy way of, of doing business. That's why mind. That's why you bring in the Nick Foles of the world. That's why you bring in the Josh McCowns of the world who almost won a playoff game with a torn hamstring. You know, but what you don't do is draft a 21-year-old kid 10 months off the 27-year-old franchise quarterback. Look, it's easy to say now. It's easy to play hindsight. I freely admit I didn't think it would be as bad as it turned out to be, but now I can laugh about it. And the Eagles know it, Jody. The Eagles know they made a mistake, uh, and they said, we screwed that up. We screwed it up. I'm, I'm glad one of us is laughing. I went from smiling on draft night because I got it. You went from frowning on draft night because it befuddled you to now you can laugh at it. I'm just yeah. that much more upset yeah. that Carson Wentz couldn't deal with it. Well, what? you can be upset what? about the player personally. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at it from an organizational standpoint and saying – you have to you have to be savvier than that. You can't just expect to be smarter than everybody else. There's a reason people don't do it, and we saw the reason. Now, you can look at your team, the New York Jets, up the turnpike. Look, they drafted a kid in the top five, and then they're back in the top five drafting another kid uh, a few years later. However, they had made the decision, we're moving on. We're done. We're done with Sam Darnold. If you made that decision – I would have no problem with it. It's not about the quick turnover. It's about you made the decision, this is your guy. This is the franchise quarterback. And then you brought in, a, as again, a guy to be a cost-effective backup, trying to be smarter than everybody else, trying to be the smartest guy in the room, and it blew up on you. You have to learn from that, I would hope. If, if Jalen Hurts develops, it becomes a star quarterback. I don't want the Eagles – taking a quarterback on the first two days of the draft. Guess what? I think they'd be perfectly fine doing so because Jalen Hurts had some moxie. He understands the game. He's a competitor. Carson Wentz is a wuss. Who, oh, my God, they took my replacement. How could they think they'd take my protective well, replacement? Lose and my we mind. we break to get to Ed, but I, I agree. Look, we're saying two different things. You're angry at the player. I have no problem with that. I'm more angry at the organization for not – not thinking this whole thing out as well as they should have. I'm angry at both, but there is one big difference between the Jets and Eagles. The individuals behind the selection of Sam Darnold, see you later, bye. They're out of New yeah. York. So you got a new regime in there that can make the clean break and go, we're going on to somebody else. 
it's the same organization, the same head coach, the same general manager, the same owner that did what they did here in Philadelphia. So I don't think you can compare the two. But we digress. We will not digress any further. We'll only digress to a quickie timeout. Then we will progress or progress. Is that a word? Well, who knows? Uh, <laughs> Eddie Kratz is going to join us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You just saw the logo. Jacob Media... YouTube channel. We are Birds 365. They're football show. Well, Cilio's a football show. We're the Eagle Show. And we got three Eagle guys sitting around. We're going to shoot the breeze for the next 25 minutes or so. Me, Jody McDonald, my partner, John McMullen. And lo and behold, it's Ed Kratz, ladies and gentlemen. 
How are you, Mr. Kratz? Doing great, man. Training camp's on the horizon. Can't wait for this thing to fire up again. Um, can can you not wait, Ed? Because you got another vacation scheduled, so I think you can wait a little bit. <laughs> well, that's true, but uh, all good things have to come to an end. I'm ready. That's you know, the closer it gets, the readier I feel. I hear I, you. Then let me go there. Speaking of all good things must come to an end. Did I miss something, or is Eckert still a member of the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> we've been we've been waiting for this to transpire for not days, not weeks, months now that the Eagles and Zach Ertz would go their separate ways, yet they haven't. When, Ed, they can wait till, that's what they're doing. That's, now I got to figure it out. The Eagles are waiting for Ed Kratz to go on vacation before they make their move so that Ed Kratz can mortify them for what yeah. their uh, separation with Zach Ertz is going to mean. Man, that, that's a great segue, Jody. I got to say, all good things coming to an end. Yeah, I, He's still here. That's a huge, huge surprise. You know, I mean, all, of all the offseason surprises, Doug getting fired, Wentz getting traded, the fact that Zach Ertz is still here as we head to the middle of July is is a big, big shock to me. Um, but listen, you know, how, how he doesn't want to cut him, right? I mean, we've talked about this. He doesn't want to get rid of him. He wants to get something for him. And um, what that will be, we'll see. But I don't think Zach's going to show up when training camp starts on July 27th. Now he, you know, he's been a great teammate, a good loyal soldier, if you will, for this organization. Um, <clears throat> so I think he's probably a little, you know, I think he's still kind of on the fence, what he's going to do, whether he's going to come to camp or whether he's not. But to me, even when I'm on vacation, I still don't think the Eagles are going to get rid of him. I think July 27th, uh, you know, which is supposed to be the report date. Uh, I think he's still part of this team. I, I, I just feel that way, and I think they're just going to kind of see how summer goes across the, the NFL with other teams and, uh, you know, should other teams feel strongly about bringing in a tight end after they see a little bit more what they have, uh, then they'll get rid of him. Uh, whether or not he'll be here or not, I'm, I'm not so sure he will be um, on July 27th if he'll report, but I still think he's going to be part of this team on July 27th. I really do. Yeah, you know, we had Ed, we had Andrew Brandt on earlier this week, and obviously he's been in this league negotiating contracts. I didn't think of this. This is why, you know, guys like Andrew or guys like Andrew, you know, you get fined $40,000 a day now under the new CBA, and that can't be excused. So we're saying, well, Zach's got to be here. He's not going to. Andrew brought up the point, well, he might be here, but he might be excused. In other words, the Eagles and Zach Ertz can go, all right, just show up, stay at a hotel, don't come to the facility. You've technically reported from a standpoint, and we'll still work on the trade. So there's there are inventive ways they can get around that stuff. And maybe we're talking about this late into August. Maybe Howie's trying to go the Sam Bradford route and hope there's an injury and hope there's desperation at the tight end position. Maybe Buffalo, everyone points to Buffalo. Maybe Indianapolis, maybe the Chargers who were interested in Zach Ertz. This could go deep in August. Yeah, well, I think I think the first preseason game for each NFL team, and for the Eagles, that game is on August 12th against Pittsburgh, I believe. Uh, I think the first preseason game for every team is going to kind of be the, kind of the benchmark. Uh, they'll be able to see uh, – they'll have a game of tape to kind of judge their players. They'll have the 
you know, the, the 10 days or so of camp on field stuff, and then they'll have that first preseason game to evaluate. Uh, and then we'll see if teams say to themselves, hey, you know, we could use a veteran tight end. You know, it looks like we have something here. We could be good this year. All we're missing is a tight end. Um, so I think that first preseason game is going to be the benchmark. Uh, and that's August 12th for Philadelphia, you know, whether or not, um, you know, that leads to some team inquiring about Ertz, we'll see, but I think it, it will. Um, and I think even the Eagles will be able to evaluate their roster in terms of what they have uh, at cornerback after that first game. So I think August 12th is a pretty big benchmark for the Eagles and other teams in the NFL. Eddie, I want to ask you about another skill position player for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's their number one running back, Miles Sanders. Uh, during this downtime, waiting for everyone to show up at camp, rosters being finalized, almost there, but still, uh, are the Eagles going to add another quarterback? Cornerback? We know the conversation here in Philadelphia, uh, but national pundits are putting out rankings and listings and uh, giving opinions on positional strengths on teams and the like. Maurice Jones-Drew, who was a really good running back in his day in the NFL, not super, not perennial Pro Bowl, but a very good, solid starting running back in the National Football League, who now does work for the NFL Network, put out a list of uh, the top running backs in the league. And he ranked Miles Sanders 29th. That there are 28 better running backs in the National Football League than Miles Sanders. I scoff at this, and I know Maurice Jones-Drew should know better than me. How many how many carries did I have in the NFL? Zippity <laughs> doo But doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to know. And maybe he's got a personal animal. I don't know what the deal is, but I think that Miles Sanders is significantly better than that. I know last year in the passing game, his production went down. But in his average yards per carry, his production actually went up, and he was the fifth running back in the fifth, not 29th, Fifth running back in the NFL, an average yards per carry. He seems to have become a guy whose opinions vary <clears throat> greatly, depending on how you look at it, how you analyze it. Where do you come down on Miles Sanders and where he ranks in the National Football League with the other running backs? Yeah, that, that to me, I think was very low. And maybe you're right. Maybe uh, Maurice Jones-Drew has some sort of ax to grind against Sanders. But, you know, he didn't have a very – I mean, based on what he did as a rookie where I think he – uh, you know, he certainly deserved some consideration for offensive rookie of the year after that rookie season he put together um, what he was able to do, catching the ball out of the backfield and running the ball. And that last year, very bad year catching the ball out of the backfield, had some drops, wasn't very good at picking up uh, uh, blitzers in, in the past pro game. Um, so it was a bad year for him. But listen, nobody on that Eagles team had a good year last year, in my opinion. Maybe you could point to one or two guys and Alex Singleton who had 120 tackles or, or somebody like that. But it was just a bad year for everybody. Miles Sanders is better than the 27th or 28th running back wherever Jones Drew had him ranked. He's, he's better than a lot of those guys that were ahead of him. Um, and I expect he'll show that. I think Sanders is motivated to prove last year was, uh, you know, not, not him. I, I, you know, he's closer to his rookie self than he was his second year self. And I, and I think the new coaching staff uh, will get that better season out of Miles Sanders. And I, and I think he's probably more like a top 10 back, maybe a top 12 back. Um, and, and I think he'll prove that this year. I think he's been properly motivated. Uh, and I fully expect him to have a much better season. Um, and if that ranking of 27th or 28th doesn't motivate him, I don't know what will. 
Yeah, I, I think what you just said there, Ed, is the most positive part to Miles. He realizes he didn't have a good season last year in certain aspects, uh, most notably catching the football, as you mentioned, and pass protection. He understands that. He knows that. I, I always think that's good when players can self-evaluate and realize they have to improve at certain aspects of the game because you know he's got the talent. So I do think you're going to see a bit of a bounce-back year. I kind of want to shift gears with you because you've been uh, doing on your podcast, which is Eagles Unfiltered, which you can see at uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagle Maven. But you can see it there. You've been talking to other uh, reporters around the division, the NFC East. So Washington football team, obviously Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants. What what is the outside view of the Eagles? Because I know what it is nationally. We have a lot of national people on this show, and they don't think highly of the Philadelphia Eagles. What's it like inside the division with people really close to this team? What are they looking at? What are they saying? Yeah, well, I've talked to two of the three so far. I've yet to talk to the Dallas uh, beat beat guy, but uh, it's the, it really falls in line with what the national people are saying. Really, it's um, this team is kind of unproven as far as, you know, this, this roster, you know, they're transitioning to this younger uh, version, but how do we know these younger guys can play? Howie Roseman drafted them. They better be able to play because these are guys that they're going to count on. You know, you have your veterans, obviously, um, but, but uh, you know, Kelsey Brooks, Johnson, Cox, Graham, you know, these, these big heavy hitters for years and years. Um, Yeah, they're, they're a big part of this team still, but it, you know, the jury's out on this young roster, and that seems to be what the take is around, uh, you know, in Washington and New York right now. And Jalen Hurts, of course, you know, as the quarterback goes, the team goes. And, uh, you know, the, the jury is still way out on Jalen Hurts and what he's going to be able to do uh, this year. Uh, so that's not many people are giving them much of a chance to finish anything other than last in the NFC East. I mean, I think the NFC East is going to be better than it was you know, when we say this every year and then it kind of falls <laughs> splat on its face. But yeah. uh, I think it's going to be better. It should be better. You know, um, the Giants, Cowboys and the football team are, are three pretty good rosters. Um, you know, everybody has their flaws, uh, but the Eagles seem to have more flaws than others. And that's kind of the consensus is, you know, Hurts, we don't know. Nick Sirianni, we don't know. There's going to be adversity that crops up through the season. How is he going to handle that? How is he going to put put out these little fires that inevitably crop up during any NFL season. So nobody seems to know, and nobody seems to know about the young talent either. So that seems to be the consensus is the Eagles just aren't going to be able to contend to win the division because of too many unknowns. Now, as the season goes along and we get to know more about some of these question marks heading in, then maybe we'll have a better gauge as how they're going to finish the year. Here's the thing that intrigues me the most about the NFC East this year. There is not a quarterback that's a given in this division. Yes, Dak Prescott has played to a high level in the league. He's coming back from a major leg injury. Is he going to be the same player? If he is, he'll be far and away the best quarterback in this division. But we don't know that yet. The given is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And what is the given about Ryan Fitzpatrick? That there's never a given. He can either be great or he could be god-awful. So on any given week, he can fall in between. I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. Haven't been since he was drafted. 
I watched him play games where you go, oh, my God, this kid's got a chance to be a franchise quarterback. And then other games where he's turning the ball over and you go, wow, this kid's a stiff man. Did they overdraft him? The Eagles, the Giants need to go in another uh, direction. And Jalen Hurts, as you just pointed out, is uh, very much a question mark coming into the season. And there's no given at the quarterback position in this division. And if that's the case, I think the division could be almost as bad as it was last year. It should get better just because it was so god-awful last year. It can't be as bad as it was. But I don't really see all that much of an improvement in the NFC East. Well, you know, Dak was having a great year last year before the injury. Now, you're right. He's coming off a pretty serious injury. And he's, and I think he got paid in the offseason, too. So, you know, we'll yeah. see how money impacts him too we've all seen what money's done to some other pro athletes in their career they kind of uh you know they don't work as hard they feel they've arrived and 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 they kind of go downhill but we'll see how it impacts him um so you're right uh you know there really doesn't seem to be a lot of improvement i think the giants put some pieces around Daniel Jones offensively, you know, they bring in Kenny Galladay, they draft Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley's coming back, you know, take him out of the offense last year. That's a big hit. Um, but again, he's coming off a serious injury. Um, the thing about Washington, you know, Fitzpatrick's what, 38. I mean, he's been with many t- different teams. The offensive line in front of him has a lot of question marks in Washington. And, you know, we'll see if he can get through a full 17 game season um, with playing behind that offensive line. And he, even Daniel Jones, that line in front of him uh, isn't very good. The interior of that Giants line is not real good at all. So um, those are two big question marks with those teams. But they've done everything they can to give Jones weapons. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think, has some pretty decent weapons in Washington. And that defense in Washington, that could be the number one defense in the yeah. league uh, yeah. with their front four. Um, you know, their linebackers are a little bit of a question mark and even their cornerbacks maybe a little bit, but you know, that front four is vicious and, you know, they can really put pressure on quarterbacks and stuff the run. So I'm not sure how much good quarterback play you're going to need in Washington. You can win games with that defense. Um, but you're right, Jody. I mean, you look around the league and Dallas's defense, are they any better than they were last year? I mean, they were historically bad, giving up 30 points a game or whatever it was. But that offense with C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, a very, very good offensive line, and the return of Prescott. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are going to uh, struggle and win what they win last year. Six games maybe, seven games. Yeah, we saw a lot of Ben DiNucci and Garrett yeah. Gilbert at the end. So, it, you know, what are the things about the Cowboys that I'm most surprised about? Because they went through it last year with Dak Prescott, and they didn't do anything at backup quarterback. Jody and I were discussing the Eagles. They didn't do anything, and they just went through it, and they're bringing back Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush and Ben DiNucci after they saw what life was like without Dak Prescott. But, you know, I just finished my series at SI.com about, you know, talking to personnel people about rating the position groups inside the division. What I got, Cowboys have a top five offense. Washington has a top five defense. The Giants, I got exactly what you got. They did everything to help Daniel Jones. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Saquon Barkley's back. They didn't do the most important thing to buttress the offensive line. So I think it it comes down to other people think you have the haves, which is Dallas and Washington, and the have-nots, which is the Giants and the Eagles. Now, 
halves in, you know, a tempered fashion because it is the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. And it's funny that Andy Dalton go in Dallas. So yeah. if, if, you know, calamity were to strike again and something were to happen to Dak, the, the Cowboys are going to be in trouble again. Yeah. Um, and and I, that series you did, John, was great because you, you point out that, yeah, okay, Dak is the best quarterback in the division. You have to go that that direction considering the competition. But the Eagles probably have the best backup QB situation in oh, the yeah. league. Oh, yeah. With, with Joe Flacco, the veteran, um, and then even Nick Mullins, who's won some games in San Francisco. I mean, that – I don't know if he'll make the team, but I mean, that's still two pretty good backup quarterbacks. Should something happen that hurts or should hurts uh, not live up to what the expectations are for him? I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm all in on hurts. I think he's going to have a fine year, but should something happen? They have Joe Flacco sitting there, a healthier Joe Flacco uh, who struggled with the neck and, and some other injuries. And, and now he's healthy. I don't think he wants this to be his last year. Uh, you know, he grew up right over the bridge in Audubon, New Jersey. Um, you know, I think he's excited for this season and how much he's going to play or how much field time he's going to see. I, you know, like I said, unless something happens to Hertz, he's not going to see much. Yeah, I was really bummed this uh, past draft when the Cowboys didn't use a second round pick on a quarterback because then John McMullen couldn't tell me that unprecedented to take a second round quarterback when well, you the just Cowboys paid all these hundreds of millions of dollars for your starting <laughs> quarterback. Cowboys should have taken a page out of the Eagles book because I think yeah. Dak Prescott could have handled it, unlike Carson Wentz. Yeah. Jody, you're angry at Carson. You're not yes, angry I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I'm well, not going to get over it anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Kratz, back to the birds. Um, Doug Peterson has made a couple of public appearances on radio, Sirius XM just recently, and he said – He's not looking back. He's looking forward that he doesn't believe in going backwards and over evaluating what went wrong here last year that cost him his job. We could argue whether it should or shouldn't have cost him his job, but we know for a fact he's no longer the coach. So it did cost him his job, but he said he's looking forward. Is that smart? If Doug wants to coach again in the national football league, don't you have to do some self-evaluation and, uh, at least be able to point to what went wrong. Now you can explain it as, well, that wasn't, I was only partially my fault. Here's the other reason why it went wrong and point the finger at somebody else. But he has gone with this philosophy of what's past is past, what's done is done. Let's only look forward. Is that going to lend itself to him getting another head coaching gig in this uh, sport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I know he was on Sirius XM radio. John, you know, wrote a little bit about, you know, what he said. And, you know, he did point to turnovers and injuries and everything kind of snowballing. But, you know, you're the head coach. You have to find a way to stop that snowball from running downhill <laughs> some way. And, yeah, unless you self-evaluate and are able to sell uh, your reasons for that terrible season to in an interview to other G, to another GM or, or an owner, whoever you're sitting with. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to get another job, but listen, you know, he's a super bowl winning head coach. You can't take that off his resume. Um, you know, Doug really, I think was a very good players coach. You know, the players love Doug. They loved playing for him. They, they liked the pulse of the locker room that he had because he used to be a player. He used to be in that locker room. And, you know, I think, Ultimately, that will outweigh any sort of self-evaluation he's going to do off of this bad season. If an owner or a GM feels like this team needs players to kind of buy in, 
to a head coach. I think Doug is that type of coach. Um, it's not easy, obviously, for a coach to go to another team and win a second Super Bowl. I'm not sure how often that's been done, if at all, um, where a coach has won two Super Bowls with two different teams. But um, but I think Doug can can has a shelf life as a head coach. And I think that winning a Super Bowl, a surprise Super Bowl with a backup quarterback and with a team that really uh, bought into what he was selling, uh, I think will go a long way in some owners' minds. Now, I think maybe does he have to resurrect things as an offensive coordinator maybe before he can take that next step? I, I'm not so sure of that. I think he can come right in and be a head coach somewhere. And, and I think you'll see him probably be a head coach next year when some of these other jobs open up. I really do. Yeah, what, do you, that, what do you think about that, John? Yeah, that that Lombardi trophy, <laughs> that, that holds a lot of cachet yeah. in this league, except in Philadelphia, apparently. But, you know, I think ironically, we have about 26 years with Jeffrey Lurie, so this is a large sample size. I think the dumbest statement he ever uttered in those 26 years was when he fired Doug Peterson. People will point to gold standard. I go to... He didn't deserve to be fired, but I'm going to fire him, essentially. He's saying he didn't deserve to be fired as he was firing him. There is a political aspect to, you know, Doug's out of work now. So we can't just throw everybody under the bus because he's trying to make himself look good to other organizations, other teams down the road. And the last thing you want to do to signal to another owner is say, hey, I'm going to rip you to shreds as I leave this building. So I, I think Doug's just being political. I do think he becomes a head coach again. I think the only reason he wasn't a head coach this year is because of timing. And it was so late uh, because he could slam that trophy down and say, Hey, this is what I got. You're going to hire Arthur Smith or Robert Saller or Brandon Staley or Nick Sirianni. Look at this thing. I have this. So I, I think he's going to be fine. As far as for why the Eagles fired him, the most interesting part to me, Ed, and you chime in on this, is the autonomy of the coaching staff. I will never understand that. I could cover this team for another 26 years with Jeffrey Lurie. I don't think I'll make it. And I will never understand saying, okay, this guy got me the Lombardi trophy. After 20, whatever it was, 23 years at the time, 24 years at the time. This guy got me the Lombardi trophy. I don't trust him. This new guy who has no experience, doesn't have any assistant coaches with any experience at, at the highest level as a sounding board. I'm going to give him, for the most part, autonomy. There's the Jeff Stoutlands, uh, the Aaron Moorheads. But as you know, especially with Aaron, that was, they couldn't get another guy. So they brought Aaron back. Now, Stoutland, they wanted back. But – the vast majority, over 90% of this coaching staff, they gave Nick Sirianni autonomy. They never let Doug do what he wanted with his coaching staff. It's astonishing to me. Yeah, it, that is very perplexing. I mean, we've talked about this before, and I'm not sure why that is, you know, whether it was Doug's kind of his lack of NFL experience. I mean, you know, this is a guy that was a head high school football coach when he stopped playing, you know, maybe they didn't feel confident in, you know, his contacts or, or who he was bringing in. Um, although I, you know, I mean, Jim Schwartz wasn't his hire. That was a hire that was made uh, by Jeff and Howie before even Doug was introduced. So, um, 
they, it never got any better. You know, they always want, thought they knew best when it came to Doug's coaches. And uh, you're right. I don't understand that. I don't know if it was just because of Doug's lack of experience in the NFL, lack of contacts maybe. Um, you know, it's, it is strange. But, yeah, Nick comes in and he's able to kind of handpick his own staff, brought in a lot of his, uh, you know, guys that he knew well. Um, made a great hire from uh, the University of Florida with Brian Johnson. I think he's a rising star in this league as the quarterback coach with Philadelphia. Could be an offensive coordinator in a couple years. Um, but it's it's very, very perplexing. I'm not real sure why that was the situation. But, you know, Doug's not the kind of guy to, to trash anybody. He's not going to walk out the door and start, you know, burning bridges anywhere. He's just – he's too nice of a guy, really. I mean, uh, so he would never do that in the first place. But – um, you know, I think I think there's a role for Doug as a head coach in this league. I really do. I think he'll be fine eventually um, because, like you say, you put that Lombardi trophy down on anybody's desk and you say, hey, look at this. OK, this is what I accomplished. And I did it with a backup quarterback. I did it with expectations that year that weren't Super Bowl caliber expectations. You know, this this kind of came from out of nowhere, really. I mean, the expectations were, were pretty high for the Eagles in 17, but not Super Bowl yeah. level high. Yeah, and, and maybe they make the next step and make the playoffs, but yeah. nobody was thinking Super right. Bowl. Right, and they were the number one seed. I mean, nobody thought that. They were blowing teams out on the way to being the number one seed. I mean, they were dominant in 2017. And, you know, you, you can say they the players are responsible, but, you know, Doug was the head coach. And that, that to me, is going to carry him a long way in finding his next job. All right, Eddie, my last question. We're going to go kind of full circle here. First thing I asked you about was Zach Ertz still being here. Um, the team that you hear most often to, as a potential landing spot for Zach Ertz is Buffalo. Makes sense. Good team, Super Bowl aspirations this year. Kind of a big hole at tight end. It just makes a lot of sense that Buffalo would be interested in need to work out if there is a trade, not a trade, if it's released, all those things. But Buffalo makes sense. Coached by an ex-Eagles assistant coach, Sean McDermott, who's having to do a lot of scrambling these days because he's got an outspoken wide receiver about not taking the vaccination for the coronavirus. Uh, and this is something that Buffalo's going to have to deal with. Their general manager, Kind of foolishly had said earlier, hey, if there are two equal guys and one's taking the vaccine and the other has it, which one do you think I'm going to keep on the team? Can't say that out loud. He did. Uh, Ertz ends up in Buffalo. Do we know if Zach Ertz has been vaccinated? I mm -hmm. guess that's the question, because that could increase his chances of going to the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> You know, I don't, but I, I'm kind of thinking he is. Um, you know, he's around Julie Ertz, who's with the uh, National yeah. Women's Soccer Team. I mean, I think I if I had to guess, and I have no inside intel on this, I would say Ertz Come on, is Ertz, probably... you're the best reporter we know. You're supposed yeah. to know these things. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't made it a point of asking anyone. Even when I saw Jason Kelsey, <laughs> yeah. when I saw Jason Kelsey in Sea Isle at this guest bartender event, which was tremendous, raising a lot of money for the Eagles Autism Foundation, I didn't even ask him. The thought never even occurred to me. You know, when we were face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, nose-to-nose, -nose really. Is, I'm yeah. not 6'3", like Kelsey is, but – you know, I just assumed he was vaccinated. So he is, by the way. You can relax. Jason's vaccinated. He, uh, yeah, he he said it publicly. But okay, go well, good. I, I missed yeah. that public statement. But I, so I'm gonna, you know, listen. I don't ask players that. I won't ask players that. Um, but I would assume Ertz is. And you're right about Buffalo. 
that's certainly a landing spot. And I would, again, I keep think, coming back to the Packers. You know, the Packers have a pretty good secondary. They have an unhappy quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. I know Aaron Rodgers and Ertz are, are pretty close, and I know they have a good tight end in ta- uh, Robert Tanyan. Uh, but, you know, listen, Ertz would make that tight end group better. They could play some 12 personnel. Uh, he would, I think he'd make Aaron Rodgers happy. And I, and I think a name to watch in Green Bay is Kevin King. Uh, you know, they drafted Eric Stokes, a rookie, a, a highly acclaimed rookie from Georgia to play corner. Uh, and I think Kevin King could be expendable. And, you know, that could be the kind of deal that you might see is kind of Zach Ertz going to Green Bay for a, a player like Kevin King or someone else out of that secondary. Uh, <laughs> and I know the Packers were real close to trying to trade for Ertz at the trade deadline last year, might've gotten something done had Zach not gotten injured. Um, so yeah, Buffalo makes sense, but keep an eye on green Bay too. They have some cornerbacks that they can part with. And I know Rogers and Ertz are tight. Uh, so that might be something that helps Aaron Rodgers be happy again in green Bay. Yeah, they are tight. See, Ed is a good reporter and he's right about Zach Ertz as well. Vaccination. I'm going to guarantee Zach Ertz is vaccinated because of Julie. Um, right. And he's got to be. So uh, I'm going to guarantee that, even though I don't know it. Uh, but 68% of players have at least one shot. The NFL kind of leaked that uh, to Tom Pelissero yesterday. So things are progressing. We'll kind of figure it out. But read Ed's work, uh, by the way, si.com, egomaven.com. It's so much easier to hit us, and you could read my stuff there as well. Eddie, good job. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you hopping on. And, oh, by the way, feel free to ask any Eagle player if they've been vaccinated. I think (laughs) that that's a very fair question. Now you got to do it in a very non-judgmental way, but it's fair game. You can ask anybody you want. So the next time we get you on, we're going to have you name at least two Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) that ever haven't been vaccinated, okay? That's my summertime project, my homework assignment. I'm going to start working on that. Ed Kratz, thank you much. And enjoy vacay if you're getting out of here for a little bit. Ed Kratz here with us on Birds 365. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back. We'll continue on hour number two. Birds 365 coming your way. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Number two of a Thursday edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Uh, we will have our hour number two guest join us about 20 minutes from now, would be our guest, uh, Dan Lust, a uh, longtime sports attorney, agent, does a lot of uh, media spots, ESPN, CBS, Fox News, uh, Fox Business, Fox Sports. Uh, it's going to hop aboard, and we've got a bunch of legal situation stories uh, unveiling themselves in the NFL. We thought it'd be uh, good to get a guy with a legal background on the show. So Dan, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Is going to join us coming up about uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, JM, you quoted a number uh, when we wrapped up the interview with Ed about the vaccination percentages in the National Football League. Tom Pelissero uh, put them out yesterday that the number of players in the league that have gotten at least one COVID shot to this point 
increased from two weeks ago from 65% to 68%. There's only one way to go, and that's up, because yeah. you can't take less. Guys are not <clears throat> going to take an anti-vaccine after yeah. they've taken one. So it needs to continue to go up, and it has marginally, but it is increasing and going in the right direction. I also saw in the report that there are five teams, three of which were named, two of which were speculated on. Five teams have already achieved the 85% that you're going to need to be able to uh, have relaxed rules and protocols for the upcoming season. We're two-plus weeks away from the opening of camp. What's the number going to be? How many teams do you think will have the 85% if the reporting is accurate and there are five out of 32 so far that have already achieved it? What's the number going to be when camp opens up? Well, I mean, I first of all, the reporting's accurate because obviously Tom is getting those numbers directly from the NFL. That's how the NFL works these days. They leak things to NFL media. It's all one thing. So these are legit numbers. And that's the problem, Jody. Mathematically, you're at 68%. You mentioned what the number was a couple of weeks ago. Well, it's not going up at the percentage you would like it. If you say five teams are at 85%. Now, I know the three teams that were reported, I believe, were Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, uh, the Saints, and uh, Miami maybe was the third one. Um, they're at 85%. So they're skewing that number. And the two other teams that are not named right. are skewing that number. So I don't think it's going to be a ton at 85%. Just the timing alone. I, I don't think we're getting a half the league. I will say that. I, I, it's, this is, this is, this is a bigger problem than people are, 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 I think people are downplaying this maybe because it's not here yet. Right. Uh, but I think it's going to be an issue. I do. And it's again, I defend the player's right to make their own personal decision as to whether to take the shot or not. But this is no longer negotiable about the ramifications of not taking it. There are protocols that are in place that have been agreed upon by both sides, both management and the Players Association, that if you don't have the prerequisite number of players that have gotten a shot, it's going to be just that much more difficult. And if you can look me in the eye and tell me that a team that doesn't have to jump through hoops, doesn't have to have guys on Zoom, doesn't have to have people wearing masks, aren't at a disadvantage as compared to teams that are, are allowed to go on and not have to jump through the same protocols and hoops. I'm sorry, I'm going to disagree with you. A team that has had enough players test, uh, excuse me, get the vaccination, are in a better position. Now, I'm not going to sit here and dictate. The standings will be the team that has <laughs> the most players. They got the, Of course, that's not going to be the case. I'm just talking about the way that you can prep for the season. The NFL has made the decision to make it that much easier for the teams that have got the 85% number. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is such a tough – there's no prediction here. I mean, there's no way to predict. There's no way to look at it that way. But we know what the NFL has done. And this is this is great about the offseason. You mentioned we're going to have Dan Lust uh, in a couple minutes. And, by the way, Dan just texted me um, – uh, well, direct messages me. He said his father-in-law is Alan Beagleman. He says, you two go way back. 
So I see the eyes light up. He's a former Great Dane, Albany State University. There we go. And take a quick guess what his nickname was. Beagle. Beagles. 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 I've yeah, no Beagles. And I have a Beagles, by the way. So there you go. So your, I saw your eyes light up, but Dan just said that. But it's great to have somebody like him on in this type of environment because, you know, it's so difficult. There's so many issues, and we're going to get into the Washington football team. He's been the guy around this country when it comes to NIL, so we're going to get into that. But also the vaccination and what the NFL can do. What are the things as the coaching staff? Look, you can't be tier one or tier two if you don't get vaccinated, if you're a coach or you're an executive. And that means you can't do your job. So basically, you know, from a legal standpoint, they can't force anybody to do it, but they're forcing coaches to do it, in essence, by the rules. And they're trying to do that as much as possible with the players as well, with these incentives, whatever you want to call it. But, it, yeah, I mean, it's going to be evident pretty early in camps around this league who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. So players can say it's none of your business. We're going to know anyway because of there, there's going to be significant restrictions. And, oh, by the way, be careful, John, because uh, we have our stream here on our YouTube channel. and well, we, they don't like it. We really appreciate our streamers. They comment on a day-in, day-out basis. So let me thank you guys for doing just that. They're not happy with me because I continue to touch on the fact that who does or doesn't have 85% in the league is a pretty damn big story. It's a huge story. It, here's the thing the streamers don't understand. If, if it's week three, when do they play Dallas on Monday night? Is it week three? I don't have the schedule. That in front sounds of about but, right, yeah. Uh, it, and all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts can't play, and I'm not saying he's not. I have no idea. Because he's he's not vaccinated. You don't think that's going to be a big deal? You don't think you're going to be upset by that? If your starting quarterback isn't able to go uh, and you're out there like the Denver Broncos, maybe your whole quarterback room is, is, is wiped out, you don't think that's a big deal? So – Get off your high horses. This is a big story around the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm that, sorry. That, that, thank you. Uh, you and I see it the same. I, I understand it's a touchy subject because you do have the right to make the decision for yourself, and some people don't want to deal with it and or talk about it. Uh, I'm not trying to take anybody's rights away from them. I'm not. You must get vaccinated. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just noting that it's an important story in this upcoming season in the National Football League. I'm sorry if you don't like the fact that I'm talking about it here on Birds 365, but my job is to judge what I think is a big story. And I think that is a very big story. That's why we're going to have a guy like Dan Lustan, and he will, I, my guess is that he will confirm that it is a very big story. You're not just going to have to take it from me or Johnny Mac. We'll get someone who's not on Birds 365 to jump on as a guest and tell you how big a story it's going to be. It is in the National Football League this year. Sorry, but it's going to have ramifications on how the game is played. Did last year, you correctly pointed yeah. out, the Denver Broncos got screwed last year. Oh, yeah. They, they had a game where they had to play a guy as their starting quarterback who hadn't been a quarterback for two years, had been a collegiate quarterback who had made the transition to a new period. It would be like the Eagles using uh, the kid from Buffalo. Why am I zotsing out on his name? 
Uh, uh, Tyreek Jackson. Tyreek Jackson, starting yeah. quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles this year in a key game, Tyreek Jackson, because he wasn't in the quarterback room. And the rest of the uh, quarterbacks all are in a, incapable of playing because they need to go into quarantine. Yes, it has a hands-on effect of the potential outcomes of games. That's why yeah. it's a big story. And that's why you we're going to continue to talk You know what the NFL proved? I, are you a Goodfellas guy? Did you like the movie Goodfellas, Jody? Yeah, of course. Of course. Everybody loves Goodfellas. They remember the restaurant scene where Henry Hill's explaining how they take over. Uh, and they say, you know, Paulie would say, F you, pay me. No matter what, if he's a partner, he doesn't want to hear about it. Oh, there was a, there was a, you know, a hurricane. F you, pay me, whatever. The NFL proved last year when it came to this, they're playing the games. And if you're the Denver Broncos, F you, you're playing. That's exactly what's going yep. on with this league. And they're saying, F you, we're playing. These are the rules. If you don't have somebody available, we talk about competitive advantage in this league all the time. We were talking about it earlier this week, Jody, with hard knocks how everybody's obsessed with competitive advantage. Well, if you don't have players because they're not vaccinated, guess what? You're at a competitive disadvantage. That's why it's a story in the NFL. And here's where, and I said this at the time, and we'll continue to say it, and it very much looks like the league is going to handle it exactly the same way. They had hardened, fast rules in place that I think some football fans just didn't understand. Uh, teams like the Ravens keep kept getting uh, games relocated, uh, flexible schedule, push about, well, you're supposed to play on Sunday. Well, we can't play on Sunday. We'll schedule a game on Tuesday. Let's move the game to a Thursday. What do you mean? There are no games played on Thursday. Well, we've got a flexible schedule because of potential COVID issues. They couldn't feel the team. They didn't have enough players to feel the team. The Broncos had enough players to feel the team. Now, they didn't have a quarterback, but they had enough players that had these very hard and fast rules in place. And that's what dictated whether you were going to play or weren't going to play. Yeah. They stuck to them. That's the only way you could have done it. And the league is going down that road again this year with that 85% number. If you don't get there, it is going to be that much more difficult for your team to prepare week in and week out for the upcoming season. Plain yeah, and, and, and people don't think about the preparation aspect. There were many times last season where games did go on, but you didn't have any time to prepare because certain guys in certain position groups were were on – you know, the, the COVID list or weren't able to practice for whatever reason. And again, I go back to FU, we're playing, we're playing. So get ready. And that's why it's a story. You know, everybody wants to make everything political. That society today. This is not political. This is about the NFL. This is an NFL show. And this is a big deal with the NFL. That's why you see the league leaking information of Tom Pelissero kind of updating this as we go along this is how they have to have to, to move along in the most competitive way possible. They guess what, Jody, they want everybody to be equal. That's why they started this process so early and say, look, if you get to this 85% threshold, you're essentially going to go back to close to normal, not perfectly normal pre pandemic, but pretty close to normal. And if you don't, there's going to be a lot of restrictions on the players that that aren't at that 85% threshold 
and the organization as a whole. And it makes it more difficult. It just does. And if the Eagles aren't one of those five teams, we certainly know they're not three of the five. We know three of the five. So there's only two opportunities. Guess what? They have a rookie head coach. You're just making it more difficult for him because he's going to have other issues to deal with that he wouldn't have to deal with if they were at 85%. And again, uh, my apologies to any people who don't under, uh, who don't want to have this conversation, who don't want to listen to this conversation, but John and I, as media members, think that it is an important conversation to have about for the upcoming season. And if it is, it bothers you because it's a political conversation. It shouldn't be. And I don't want to look at it that way, but that's what our society has become. It, it, it might rain this afternoon, John. You can take a couple of steps and es- extrapolate and make it into a political conversation. Yeah. The fact that it could rain this afternoon. Anybody can do that if they want. That's and kind all- of what we've become. I, I, That's not what I'm attempting to do. I don't want it to become that. But to just say, ooh, it's a hot-button issue. Uh, let's only talk about uh, X's and O's and tackles and whatever. Oh, this has a chance to impact the outcome of NFL games this upcoming season, including your Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, the frustrating part is I don't think either of us have said anything political about it. Uh, We've only talked about the competitive aspect of the NFL game and the rules that have been placed upon teams for this particular season. How that isn't relevant, I, I have no idea. I don't even know how you can make that argument. So if you're you're complaining about this, again, trust me, you won't be complaining about it when it affects your team. I guarantee you that. Agreed. All right. Uh, as we take it back to football, we're going to have Dan Lush join us in just a couple of minutes. And, oh, by the way, no full well, we're going to talk to Dan about things off the football field. He's an attorney. He represents some players, so there are certain things that we can and can't talk about. But we're going to talk about issues like Dan Snyder and the way that he's being handled down in Washington. He's got his wife coming in to take over as CEO. Yeah, he got a $10 million fine, but then he, he, he paid it out of his pocket. As a matter of fact, he's got that much money. It's not going to change the way the uh, Redskins are capable of fielding a competitive team this year. Uh, so that that's our next guest. If you're not into it, if you just want to know about X's and O's, well, and sorry, we're not going to give it to you uh, when our next guest joins us. But I will ask you an XO question, sort of, John, here. You just talked about Nick Sirianni and the fact that he's going to have to deal with a lot of things as a first-year coach here in the National Football League, a roster which still has some holes in it. There, there are hurdles that Nick Sirianni has to get over. What do you think he's doing a prep right now? We just had Ed Kratz on. He's going on vacation. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are taking vacation at this time. It's vacation time of year. And it certainly is for National Football League teams because it starts in less than – we're going – in less than three weeks, camps are going to open up. What do you think Nick Sirianni is doing? Do you think he's just taking a step back and relaxing and not worried about vaccination? Right? Yeah. Or do you think he's actually – In front of a video monitor, watching tape, getting prepped, writing down his competition speeches, working on his uh, rock, paper, scissors game. What do you think Nick Sirianni is doing right now to get ready for the season? Well, I think he loves ball, Jody. So he's he's working on football. He he he's one of those guys. He he's going to be a film guy. He's going to try to prepare. But I think your bigger question of 
how do you prepare to be a head coach in the NFL? You don't. Every coach I've ever talked to, and I've talked to a lot over the years, says the same thing when they're a first-time head coach. They say, man, I didn't, I didn't know how much stuff outside of football I had to deal with. The media, uh, the logistics, just the practice schedule. Everything's on you. Everybody's in your office. You get pulled away from X's and O's. I think that's where Nick is comfortable. And so long story short, what's he doing to prepare him? He's doing everything football-wise he can. He's going to find out. He, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And this is not an insult at Nick Sirianni. Every single first-time head coach goes through it. And that's why I'm concerned that his right-hand man is Kevin Petullo and not Jim Swartz or Wade Phillips or, you know, Mike Pettin and all these, all these young coaches and the veterans they had. That's my biggest concern. No sounding board. Well, he's got a sounding board. His name's Howie Roseman. He's his general manager, and that's who I think. No he's. sounding board. That's what I said, Joe. <laughs> Ian, John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. We're the Mac and Mac guys. Uh, now that we've probably ticked you off enough, we'll try and continue to do it. I don't know if Dan Lawson's going to do that, but I'm very much looking forward to talking to him when he joins us, sports attorney Dan Lawson, next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. 
It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Number two of this edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. We've got a uh, special guest, a guy who we've not had on the show before, but I'm looking forward to talking to, uh, to him for the first time. I've heard him on radio many a time over the year, but uh, not here on Birds 365. Sports lawyer and uh, representative Dan Lust joins us here on uh, Birds 365. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. Quite the pleasure to join you guys, Jody. Uh, you and my father-in-law go way back a couple decades to uh, you. Yeah. There we Fa- go. Father-in-law. I did not know that. Uh, that. That comes as news to me. Yes, I've known <laughs> Beegs for 40 years now, somewhere thereabouts. Um, good, good, good man. Glad to hear he's doing well. Thank you. Uh, you'll talk to him before I do. That's for damn sure, because uh, I don't think I've talked to Beegs for 10 years. But uh, we still have mutual friends. So please send him my regards when you talk to him. Of course. Uh, Dan, good to have you. And by the way, listen to Dan's podcast. I love the name, by the way, Conja uh, Detrimental. I love that. So his podcast as well. We want to get in the NIL stuff. Dan, you've been going around. You've been the guy to talk about that. But before I get into that, I do want to talk some NFL stuff with you. And I think the Washington football team is where we need to start. When you see this investigation come down, and you're a lawyer, And you see, oral report, I don't even want to get into the penalties. No written report. What's your first thought when you you see something like that? Well, I guess we'll we'll take you back a couple months. Um, You know, Beth Wilkinson, the lawyer hired by uh, Dan Snyder. So Dan Snyder picked the lawyer that was going to investigate (laughs) the team. But once I heard that, I'm like, the fix is in at a certain point. Um, You know, so the NFL decided to intervene themselves in the investigation. They didn't choose to replace Beth Wilkinson with a different lawyer. They just said they're intervening and they're going to help in the investigation. So I, I thought it seemed a little odd. Um, and as we know, in just pro sports, you know, the commissioners and the owners are kind of in bed with each other. They're kind of looking out for themselves. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 my fear was that they weren't going to find anything, right? Because Beth Wilkinson was essentially paid by the Redskins to investigate them, which is not a recipe for, for an independent investigation. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's odd, you know, in what we do in my, you know, my litigation practice, any lawyer will tell you, it's a lot of writing, a lot of reports. You don't just go into a room and take a deposition and walk out and you tell the client, hey, this is how it went. You write up a long report. How mm-hmm. That's why we have these fancy legal pads. That's why they call them legal pads. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> concept. So, yeah, I mean, here, here's the long and short. There's no paper trail. We don't know exactly what was found. And guess what? Washington football team could say. Well, if there was a written report, we'd give it to you. But unfortunately, there's no written report. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And uh, I, I'm not comfortable with the way that investigation worked out. And the only way that something like that happens is if it is agreed upon ahead of time that, listen, we're going to do this without a, a legal report because you would just think it would make sense. You just explained standard operating procedure is there's got to be a written report. So if there isn't one, it was well agreed upon ahead of time. 
Who agreed? The Redskins, Roger Goodell, all 31 other owners. How did you get in the process to where the parties that were involved said, yeah, it's best that we don't have a written report? Yeah, I, I have to think it was agreed upon ahead of time. It would be odd that it wouldn't be, not not that it's impossible. But, you know, a, a lot of, and I imagine Beth Wilkinson is billing out some type of hourly rate. Uh, so if she's going and investigating, she's interviewing people, there's some type of hourly fee. So let's say you do that whole investigation, right? Sometimes, which is possible, you might call the client before you write a written report and you'd say, here are my oral findings. Would you like me to reduce this to a writing? It's going to cost you a little bit more because it's going to take me couple days, couple weeks to write this thing out. So that's possible that happened. Um, you know, but I, I still think it's how there's no writing at the end of the day. And even, and I'm sure guys you've touched on this deflate gate was like a, like a memoir, yeah. a short yeah. treatise. It was a couple hundred pages. And I don't know when you have allegations, especially in this world that we live in today, when you have allegations of sexual harassment and toxic workplace and allegations, mind you, that involve Dan Snyder, that a, a, a nude cheerleader photo shoot video was placed on his desk. I'd like a written report. I, call, call me old school, but I'd like to yeah. see writing exactly what they found. Well, to me, Dan, this brings up a, a bigger aspect to this. And I've always argued as a layman, the NFL should not be in the investigation business. What? What? Why are they in the investigation business? Who thought this was a good idea? I do understand it's tough to educate the public. So, when you have something like Deshaun Watson in Houston, you have all these uh, allegations that are very serious. It's kind of difficult to say, let's let the legal process play out because it's such a PR hurdle. But isn't there somewhere in between where you can say, we're not equipped to do legitimate investigations? There's no subpoena power versus we can't educate the public and we're going to take PR hits. Is there a comfortable middle ground there? I mean, I guess for the, the public, people see the NFL's investigating and they feel really safe and secure. The NFL's, I, mean, I, mean, I don't know if anyone actually thinks that, but you know, I, I think that, so I guess in the law, the, the NFL is, as much as we love the NFL and we view it as a public enterprise, the NFL is a private company. So they can make the rules, they can do what they want. Um, in order to challenge, you know, challenge the NFL's investigation to a court, you can, but you have to let the rules of a private association work themselves out before you can challenge it. And that's what we saw with Deflategate way back when. The NFL handed out a punishment, a private association, and then Brady challenged it in a court of law outside of the private association. So the NFL has a right to conduct a, you know, their internal investigation. As you pointed out, John, they don't have subpoena power. Um, and also, it's not, you know, if they convict, I'm going to say convict someone, they suspend someone, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt which is, you know, people watch Law & Order. It's like 90% confidence. It's not something called a preponderance of the evidence, which is what OJ dealt with in his civil case when he lost that once upon a time. It was 51%. The NFL standard for finding any type of punishment is much lower than that. So, sure. um, yeah, so I, I, I think people should know. If the NFL finds something against somebody or doesn't find someone against someone, it's a very different standard than what we're used to in a court of law. So, yeah, I don't, an NFL investigation doesn't give you much, but that's why you'd hope uh, if they're going to hire an independent attorney like a Beth Wilkinson, that they're truly independent. But if the Washington football team is is paying the bill and the NFL is the one that's kind of coordinating the investigation, it's not really independent, right? It's it's very much yeah. ahead of one another. And John and I disagree a little bit. I think the NFL, kind of necessary evil, have to be in the investigation business. They can't not be in it to run their business with as many people as they have and high profile, uh, they, any business is going to have legal issues. So you've got to be able to do something about it if you're running this billion dollar corporation. But here's the question I have for you. 
it was reported last week that in the investigation of Deshaun Watson, and it is ongoing, the NFL, as of right now, are investigating Deshaun Watson. They haven't talked to him yet. They're doing other investigative <laughs> work, but they haven't talked to the guy they're investigating. Now, it, we can debate whether they should or shouldn't be in the investigation business. I just question how they investigate if they haven't yet had a conversation with the individual that they're investigating. Here's what you do, Jody. If you want to have a master class on how to, how to catch someone in a lie, you investigate them, right? You interrogate them and you get their answers. You go, Deshaun, is that exactly what happened? Okay. You sure? You sure? Okay. Sign the statement. That's exactly what happened. And then you talk to everybody else, right? And you get their signed yeah. statements. And then you go back to Deshaun Watson and you say, well, how about this that you, that you swore was true? And this person swore. How about that? And then you can see if you can poke holes in a statement. So, I mean, if it's me, if I'm, if I'm running the show, Deshaun Watson is first and foremost. So we go to him, yeah. of course. We go, to else, then we go back to Deshaun. And then we go back to everyone else. And then we go back to Deshaun. But Deshaun Watson is featured early and often in this investigation. Should be, at least. Yeah. All right, Dan, I want to shift to NIL because you've been uh, everywhere talking about this in college sports and name, image, and likeness law. And, and the dam is kind of broken in, in college sports. And I think early on, what people are surprised, whether it's the LSU gymnasts, we've seen some softball players. I think everybody thought it was going to be uh, football players, basketball players. But we are seeing different athletes around college sports. Give us a sort of a, a dummies for NIL. What broke here? How did it break? And why did it take so long? Well, the, your audience is very smart, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I, I give it to them in a master class. Now, I'll, I'll break it down in, in terms of sports language. So here's, here's a, if people want just a high level of this here at the bar, you're just trying to explain what happened. Um, our country, at least at this point, is or in the past years, a couple of years, have been a little bit divided, right? Left and right, they're pulling each other apart. California legislature found an issue that is a bipartisan issue that the left and the right both support, it, and that's paying college athletes. So at the end of 2019, California passed this thing called Fair Pay to Play. Maybe you've seen, you know, uh, Governor Newsom in California went on LeBron show and he signed the bill. It was this big, big movement. Now, for the next year and a half, uh, what we saw, the NCAA didn't do much. They, they said, you know what, we're not really sure what we're going to do. And California's bill didn't go into effect until 2023. So the NCAA, I'm sure they told themselves, we have four years to figure this out. Now, what other states did that really get, get a lot of credit here, Florida is probably the main state that gets the credit. They basically did, a, we'll say it's a fancy legal term. Have you guys heard of cut and paste? Have you heard of that? <laughs> they basically did a copy and paste of California's bill. They switched it around a little bit, but the main thing they switched was the effective date. And they made the effective date July 1st of 2021. So then other states jumped on board and they go, you know what? Uh, F, F California's 2023. Let's go. <laughs> Let's put pressure on. So Kentucky, Ohio, Texas, Arkansas, Alabama, everyone picks this July 1st date. So NCAA didn't do much at all until June 30th. So what did they do on June 30th? They, they said, hey, listen, we're actually we're not going to challenge us in court. And if you're a state, if you're in a state, if you're a school like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from New York, guys, if you're St. John's and New York has not passed an NIL law, what we're going to do is say any state can pass whatever they want. So you're going to have state laws in the states where there, there is laws. And the schools now can, you know, every school in our entire country can pass their own rules. The NCAA said, we're not going to punish you. We're going to waive that bylaw that allowed us to previously punish you if you gave your students some type of compensation. So, yeah, that's that's the world we're in now. And, um, you know, I get, at a very high level, the NCAA royally, and I, I think I can say this, because they royally screwed these schools. They waited until the 11th hour, June 30th, 
to tell the schools, hey, you're free to come up with stuff on your own. So, you know, Jody, I, I know you're from New York. I spoke to Manhattan College last night, their basketball program, and they didn't they didn't expect that the NCAA was going to do that at the 11th hour. So, you know, administrators are trying to come up with stuff in a week that politicians had months to come up with. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. There are so many different avenues to go off this discussion. Let me take you down this road here. Potential competitions in dollars, twofold. Number one, if you've got a superstar athlete in a major college town, the starting quarterback of a team that could be a college playoff bound team, the, the local dealership wants that person to do their advertising, that player to show up, do personal appearances, appear in a television commercial. But they're also a major booster and a sponsor for the overall program. There's going to be a competition between player and university. Listen, the, the car dealership spends a half million dollars a year. They used to give it all to Alabama. Now they're going to give, oh, 200000 directly to the quarterback and cut their budget with Alabama with advertising. So you've got players under uh, the, the team's auspices going out and being able to generate their own money but also undercutting the organization, the, the, the university. Is that going to get heated at all? Is this just a uh, happenstance that I'm over-evaluating? Or do you think in practicality it'll become an issue this year? I think it's an issue right now. I, I truly think it's an issue now. So the NCA in, this, in their world, they had talked about creating a third party, this independent body, to basically vet these claims. And actually, like in, in the NFL or the Major League Baseball, there's a, an arbitrator or there's a grievance protocol. You sure. can go to a, a true independent person to assess who's right and who's wrong. So the NCA scrapped that again at the 11th hour just because in their infinite wisdom, they did not do anything. So right now, the schools are, as crazy as it sounds, the judge, jury, and executioner for these deals. The athletes have to bring them to the school, and the school gets to decide, for the most part, if they're a conflict or if they're not. So the example I, I try to give, Right, Florida, we know, is a Gatorade school. That's where Gatorade was created way back when. So if I come to the school and I go, hey, i got to deal with Poland Spring. Isn't that great? Imagine if Florida says, well, listen, um, actually, Gatorade's the official drink of our school. So it's actually going to be a conflict. You're going to actually have to squash that. So there is no independent body. I mean, obviously, the schools aren't going to screw the players. I mean, I mean you'd hope not. Um, but they have a, a little bit too much control. And until, until the NCAA wants to create this third-party you know, entity or if the federal government steps in, um, I think it's pitting schools against players. Now, Jody and John, I'll give you this great example. I was uh, talking to uh, some people from Baylor University, and I guess there's a Meet the Bears Day. All the players come and they sign. It's been that, like that for decades. Now, imagine a world where the star quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, they go across the street and they say, you know what? Meet the Star Bears, and we're actually going to charge oh, you. Oh, there's yeah. a conflict. There's a true conflict. And the players are allowed to do that, right? What, what, are you going to make that require them to sign yeah. uh, autographs for free when they can just go across the street and get paid for them? Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be a conflict. Yeah. And there's a lot of Pandora's box type issues. I know you brought up everybody knows Barstool Sports. Uh, they're sort of owned by a gambling company now, and they're uh, uh, sponsoring athletes. You mentioned Florida. Dan Lambert was on AEW Wrestling. He he runs the, the MMA top team gym down there. He's sponsoring the whole Miami football team, Dan. The whole Miami football team. What are some of the pitfalls that, that concern you about, especially the bigger sports, NCAA football, NCAA basketball, as far as the haves and the have-nots? 
So I, I've spoke to some of these people that are, are trying to work and interpret state laws. And for the most part, um, state laws were, I think, intended to uh, kind of carve out boosters. We don't want boosters involved. Boosters is, is not a real legal term. It's, you know, you have to kind of, you know, when you see it. So schools are not meant to be able to pay athletes. They don't want to pay for play scheme. Boosters are in kind of this gray area. And, you know, what I traditionally think of as a booster is like a kind of a club, right? Like the Kentucky basketball fans club and fans are contributing to this club. Now, it would seem really unfair if the Kentucky basketball fans club could give a player an NIL deal. That just seems odd. Now, you have a guy like Dan Lambert, who's very closely affiliated with Miami. Is he a booster? I mean, he obviously supports the university. His name's been affiliated with the university for some time. Um, I think it's pretty gray. I think other states might interpret him as being closer to a booster, but he's putting up a, a massive amount of money. I think it's a total of $500,000 of all the players opt into the program. And I don't know, the optic car, this is a guy that's closely affiliated with the program. So here's, here are the pitfalls, right? If the school can find a way and we'll say a backdoor way, an indirect way to pay the players, that's not what anybody has, has wanted. We don't want to pay this. We don't want the schools to be paying athletes. Then we get into an arms race. We just, we historically, that's not been the case. So Boosters have a close affiliation to the schools for a reason, because they've been paying a lot of money to the schools over the years. So I, I think if, I mean, it depends on your definition of booster, but Lambert's getting pretty close. Um, I know the guys that he's working with over in Florida, so they're confident that he's not running afoul of the laws. But a lot of people have asked me that question. And John Barstool is another interesting one. Barstool, I viewed as being, you know, I, I mean, they're owned by a gambling company. There's something called Barstool Sportsbook, right? Um they're pretty intertwined with the word gambling. Now, state law and schools, for the most part, again, it's not 100 percent, but largely prohibit partnerships with gambling companies. So I pose an interesting question. Is Barstool a gambling company? Because I really wouldn't want to be jeopardizing my athletic eligibility on whether or not Barstool is a gambling company. When I'm hearing uh, ads for Penn National Gaming uh, and I'm seeing them talk about the over and unders and Barstool bets, it seems a lot like a gambling company. Right. So if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. <laughs> I think it's probably a gambling company, but, but that's just me. Uh, Dan, my partner will tell you that I love asking hypothetical questions. I've only been doing it for 30 years here on the radio. And usually people don't like answering them, but it's a way to narrow focus a question. The other thing I love is crystal ball questions, which usually gives you a little bit more latitude to take an answer in a couple different directions. I'm going to ask you a crystal ball question, but it's going to be very cut and dry. Within the next several months, will someone file a lawsuit against the National Football League, their specific team, that they are cut because they claim they didn't get the vaccination? That there's going to be a guy who's going to say, I was at practice. I know I was better than How did they keep this guy? I was only cut because I chose not to have a vaccination done. Will that lawsuit take place? between now and the end of this year. Certainly it'll pop up in September when cuts come down, but you know what I mean. Between now and the end of the year, will there be a player that attempts to sue the National Football League because they've been unfairly uh, released from their job because they wouldn't get vaccinated? So I, I know you guys are, are, are betting guys as well, so I'll, I'll do this one, Jody. I would put those odds at about plus 1,000. How about that? I, I think it is it is very unlikely. And, and mind you also... In the NFL's protocol and Major League Baseball's protocol, it is very hard to sue a team. That's just uh, the nature of the collective bargaining agreement. You have to go through NFL's individual uh, protocols, and then maybe you can get to a court of law. If you're a former player and you're really not involved and you've retired, maybe you can get around the CBA if you're not an active member. But it's tough. Um, now, here's the thing. There are lawsuits, right, and there are winning lawsuits. 
Um, it's, is it possible that someone sues the NFL on those grounds? Sure. We've seen stranger lawsuits, you know, in any, any way, shape or form. Now, whether or not someone will win, I'm, uh, listen, Jody, I'll go out of line here. I'll say that's, that's a losing lawsuit. That's a okay. DOA, as we say at the door. Um, <laughs> if the guy, right, here's the guy, here's the perfect example, Colin Kaepernick, right? That was a case where they were, it just didn't make sense that the guy wasn't on a roster. But if the guy in your hypothetical is a, you know, end of the practice squad type guy and he was a seventh round pick or he's undrafted, maybe you make the argument, hey, this guy wouldn't have been on a roster anyway. So you're going to have to prove causation. Kaepernick was an interesting example because the guy was in the Super Bowl two years prior. And we see guys like we saw last year with the Denver Broncos. We saw wide receivers that were playing quarterback. So in, in this landscape of the NFL, it didn't really make sense that Kaepernick wasn't on the field. But, Jody, if it's a high-level guy, right, if it's a guy that's a starting wide receiver, starting tackle, maybe you have a better case. But I, I have a feeling the guy that's bringing that lawsuit is an end-of-the-bench guy that's just uh, – he, he needs a paycheck. So he's, he's trying, to, trying to go for the lottery there. Yeah. Dan, broader range question with the NFL because typically they win in the end. Typically. Uh, not always, but – you know, you bring up the Blake Gate that was on the verge, I believe, of the Supreme Court, and when Tom finally gave up. Um, ultimately, as I understand it, you know, it, the courts in this country are low to overturn a collectively bargained agreement, uh, and that would open sort of other aspects that people don't think about. So, is that ultimately when you see people try to go outside? the collective bargain agreement, whether it's the Blake gate or any other high profile case that has been pushed against the NFL, you've seen things overturned in lower courts, but ultimately uh, it seems like the NFL always wins. It's just come down because this is always, this has already been collectively bargained. Is that what the courts are saying? Um, put it this way. The, the courts are, are unlikely to overturn the rules of a private association unless there is some aspect of fraud. It's, it's generally the standard. So I know uh, there's probably some Penn State fans that are listening to this. I was big on that Big Ten bandwagon over uh, this past year with the pandemic. And people were saying the Big Ten should get sued. They didn't follow their own bylaws when they canceled the season. Very complicated. So I said, listen, I think there probably is a lawsuit here. But courts tend to defer to the rules of a private association like the Big Ten and like the NFL, absent some type of fraud. So that's, that's generally the standard. So when you say, you know, John, that the NFL usually wins, private associations usually win when it's come up. It's not just immune to the NFL. And I'm, I'm not here one that's defending the NFL and defending the optics. The NFL is, is you know, can, can bury their own grave. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just pointing out that private associations in general usually win. That's, that the courts are going to give a lot of deference to the private rules. All right. I want to go back to NIL name, image, and likeness one more time, Dan, if that's okay. Um, you represent some players, National Football League. You know, once you become a professional, you can cut almost any endorsement deal you want. If you've got a product that wants to bring you on as a spokesperson, do an appearance, whatever, it is entailed. If you're a uh, professional, you can certainly enter into that agreement. You couldn't up until this past month with a college football player. There's only so many advertising dollars out there that uh, X amount of companies spend X amount of dollars uh, to get their product done. If you believe that and a new entity is coming to the market that's going to take a chunk of the advertising dollar out, did you advise your client, the people that you knew, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to have to share the platform with someone else 
how big a deal is it? Is there going to be any animosity with uh, players who are already professionals and those that are collegiate that are taking a couple dollars out of their pocket because eventually their goal is to get into the NFL and these guys could become teammates. Am I overthinking this whole thing? But it just <clears throat> intrigues me a great deal. So I wanted to get uh, your take on it as someone who represents those who are getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. So Jody and John, you know, I go on a lot of shows and I'm on the Twitterverse and I, I try to I try to pay attention to all the questions out there. I have not heard this question asked, so I, I'll give you credit, Jody. It's a good one. Um, will there be certain animosity? Uh, yes. Now here's here's maybe uh, the way we get around this. So we're starting to see the big players in the agency side get into the case. We saw CAA make a big signing. Um, we're starting to see those guys get into the space. So I don't know if your agent is representing uh, the top player at, at Clemson or at Alabama. And he's also representing guys in the pros. Yep. And we know in, in the in the NFL circuit, for the most part, right, like it's a fraternity. There aren't that many agents out there. They're usually collecting at a handful of agencies. Maybe that's the way to get around it. And you and you kind of lessen that animosity. And I don't think the NFL guys are going to care about the, uh, you know, the Arkansas lineman that signed a deal with the local barbecue shop. I don't right. think they're going to care about that. Um, at a higher level, the guys that are going to sign with Nike, Gatorade, yeah, they, I'm sure there could be some animosity. But maybe you have these agents, uh, these high-level agents that are now coming in. Maybe they mend fences. But, Jody, I think you were right. And I think uh, just I'll leave you with this one, um, which I, I wanted to I wanted to point out. Jody, you, you mentioned that some of this money is being taken away from the schools and it's going to the athletes. I think that's very important. Historically, college sports has kind of existed that football and basketball make the money. And that, you know, and they take from Peter and they pay all the other sports. They pay rowing, wrestling, crew, all these other sports. Now, if you take that money away from the universities, here's the question. Do all of those sports still exist? Because during the pandemic, they shut down a lot of those non-revenue making sports. I just want to point out in this craziness of the NIL world, we don't know if all the sports are going to make it to the goal line. So I just I just want to point it out, not that I'm a doom and gloom guy but that the economics of college sports have fundamentally changed. And it would be odd if, if the sports didn't change with it. Dan, it's interesting you bring that up. Last one from me and everybody listen to Dan. You're all over the place. Contract uh, Conduct detrimental, your podcast. But Andrew Brandt, we had on the ex-Packers executive earlier this week, he brought up that point. He said the NCAA is going to exist, but for the 97% of the other sports, he thinks there's going to be something different for football and basketball, some kind of overseeing body that 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 moves past. Do you see a similar thing? Because as you're right, the, the less revenue generating sports, the NCAA is still going to be needed, but I'm not sure it's going to be needed for football and basketball well, or useful. It's or, not really needed for football right now. NCAA is not involved in the college football playoff. I mean, that's yeah. I think that pretty much became clear during the pandemic when Conferences were getting to decide whether or not they shut down. It yeah. wasn't an NCAA directive across the board. Basketball, I think, is the next domino. I mean, congrats, NCAA. You negotiated a giant deal with CBS Sports for March Madness. I'm pretty sure a monkey can, can uh, organize that, that deal. <laughs> that deal pays for itself. So, yeah, I, I think basketball, I mean, football can already do it and survive and make a ton of money. I think basketball's next. And then if you take basketball and football out, uh, what, what power does the NCAA have at a certain point? So, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I've I've been one, uh, you know, half jokingly. I think there should be a, a SAR of college football, and maybe have a SAR of college basketball. Someone to uh, to help navigate those treacherous waters. That's uh, I, something that I would vote for too. So I would jump on your bandwagon, Dan. I got to tell you, I'm on your bandwagon now, and we're going to have you back on as a guest again even though you just made me feel so friggin' old, that your father-in-law is a buddy of mine, and I would, that we got drunk together in the Long Branch in Albany, New York, many moons ago, and he's your father-in-law. 
damn good stuff. We appreciate he, you he coming on board. Please we'll tell Beegs I said hi. Please we'll leave him offline. He told me some stories, Jody, but uh, attorney-client privilege. We'll keep them off. <laughs> and every single one of them is true. Beegs wouldn't lie. He's one of the more honest friends I had. A couple of my other, couple of our other cronies that hung in the same circle. Oh, they lied through their teeth, not Beegs. Whatever he told you was the truth. And I'll apologize in advance. Dan, good stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. We will ask you back on Birds 365. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Dan Lust, uh, sports attorney here with us on Birds 365. Smart dude. He's like, you know what we did this week, John? We upgraded the intelligence quotient on the show. Oh, yeah. uh, Andrew Brandt, Dan Lust, uh, your buddy Randy Mueller. Uh, we, well, Eddie Kratz is a pretty smart guy, too. The dummies are you and I because we're yes, getting killed on the stream because, God forbid, we talk about uh, getting vaccinated in the NFL. If you listen to our streamers, we're the actual dopes on this show. But you know what? It shows intelligence when you bring on someone who's smarter than you. That's serving your audience. Now, I've right. been saying for years, Jody, really intelligent people, really intelligent people know what they don't know. And that's why you bring in people who are experts on certain topics. So exactly. I'm going to say we're really intelligent. Yeah, we're, we're faking it well. And when we get guys like Dan Lutz to join us, we hope that they uh, enlighten some of you. We'll come back and enlighten you. We still got 10 minutes left here. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark the dark but i once heard someone say but as i always say it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward wherever you are in life count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years independence blue cross Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day as long as you can find it here's what we suggest Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. field of life 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Coming down the home stretch on a... Thursday edition of Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you. Thanks, Dan Lush, for hopping on board. Hey, John, good news for those of you who uh, tune in, watch us, catch what's going on on the stream, on our broadcast. Those who comment on the show, they reverted to attacking each other rather than more of me today than you. Because, yes, I've uh, a couple times brought up the fact that who is or isn't vaccinated in the National Football League is a big deal and is going to be a big story. Again, non-judgmental, just pointing out the importance of the story itself. Um, they're, they're now fighting amongst each other, which is better than <laughs> attacking me. So I'm completely okay with that. Uh, so we, we don't have to sweat that. Uh, That's well, the best we, way to do it, Jody. You go yes, into the bar. Feel free to fight amongst each yes. other. Just don't attack the host yes. of this show. No, you Go into the bar, you start the fight and leave. That's how you do it. How did I not know that all those years? Somehow I always ended up with a bottle across my head. Uh, But again, uh, we're talking about the intelligence level of the hosts here might not be as high as it needs to be. But we're trying to get smarter each and every single day. Um, Last thing on the Eagles. We'll take it back out on the field. It's the last thing because we have had a show today that's done a lot of talk about off the field stuff. I asked you uh, right before we punched Dan Lutz up. What do you think that Nick Sirianni is doing to prep for this upcoming season? Jalen Hurts, I'm going to ask you the same question. No, he just had a camp down in Alabama, uh, and I read a great story about someone who drove 20 hours to be able to get there and then got to spend a fan, quality time, autographs, everything else with Jalen Hurts. What do you think Jalen Hurts is doing both physically and mentally to prepare for this upcoming season who is he surrounding himself with? What is his game plan coming into training camp, which is now uh, less than three weeks away? What do you think Jalen Hurts is doing right now? Um, Jalen's a hard worker. I mean, Jalen is constantly – he's got his personal quarterback uh, coach, Quincy Avery. Uh, works out with him pretty consistently. Um, so he's been doing that for a very long time. It's another one I said about Nick. I mean, that's the thing about Jalen Hurts. I've said this pretty consistently. It's very rare when you have a young quarterback, you're you're concerned. You're not concerned about the intangibles. You're concerned about the physical aspect. Does he have the physical skills to play quarterback? You know, when you talk about the the quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, so on. Uh, we know they have the physical gifts to play in the NFL. We don't know about the other stuff. Like, I don't worry about the other stuff with Jalen Hurts. I'm concerned, does he have the physical skill set to be a star? 
guy's a hard worker, does everything he needs to be successful. If Jalen Hurts fails, it will not be because he does not work hard at his craft. One of the things I, I criticized Carson Wentz about was the regression of mechanics uh, once John DiFilippo left. But I've been honest. I don't think he did enough in the offseason to stay on top of those types of things. Jalen Hurts stays on top of that stuff. That is a huge positive. Ultimately, if he does succeed, I think the reason he will succeed is because of his work ethic. I don't worry about that even a little bit when it comes to Jalen Hurts. He's preparing. He'll probably take a little vacation, maybe seven, ten days. But he's always preparing. And that's a really good sign if you're uh, an Eagle fan who knows and understands that Jalen Hurts has to reach a level of production for the Eagles to be an improved team off flashes for 11-1. and one. How much of that increased production is going to be Jalen Hurts running the football? Because uh, you and I have been – I've been in this town 30-plus years. Uh, you've been here, but you've been covering other teams as well, so kind of back and forth. We went through the Randall Cunningham era here in Philadelphia. We went through the Michael Vick era here in Philadelphia. We've had two of the best running quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. Both born Eagle Green right here in Philly. A modicum of success, but not ultimate success. Will people buy into Jalen Hurts pulling it down, taking off, making 25, 30-yard runs this year? Or are people going to say, hey, been there, done that? Yeah, Randall was a great highlight film, but did I miss the Super Bowl we won under Randall? Yeah, Michael Vick, we know he came here, put his problems behind him. There are things that you can say that uh, are very nice about Michael Vick, others not so nice. But in in judging his football production as the Eagles' starting quarterback, again, highlight film worthy, turning it into playoff victories, not so much. How are people going to treat Jalen Hurts, the running quarterback? This yeah, year? and I think you can add Donovan McNabb, certainly early in True, his career. True, early so, in his career. Yeah, yep. so three of them. But, you know, the one guy you've heard comparisons about is Russell Wilson. That's what you want. That's what you want. You want a guy who can run, but who doesn't look to run. I think that's the best of both worlds. In other words, you have a guy who extends the play. If it's there, he'll take it. But he's always got his eyes downfield. Down he's always got his eyes uh, thinking about the pass first. I think that's ultimately where you want to get with Jalen Hurts. I don't want to run first quarterback for one reason, Jody. Not that you can't be successful. Just short shelf life. Uh, he's going to get hurt. Uh, Lamar Jackson, as phenomenal as he is, and I don't think you can compare anybody to Lamar Jackson. If he doesn't tone it down, he's going to get hurt at some point. I, I don't know when, I don't know where. It's just the nature of this game. It happens to everybody. I always go to Zach Ertz. We started with Zach Ertz. I'll end with Zach Ertz. 100%. That's the injury rate in the NFL. If you play long enough, you're getting hurt. And if you run the football that much, you can be as spectacular as you want. RG3 is probably the closest thing uh, to Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. He was spectacular. I think people forget his rookie season, and then he got hurt in the playoffs. And it was never quite the same thereafter. That's a good note to finish on. All right, JM, uh, people are going to have to tune in for Birds 365 tomorrow because you truly can't be here. You may or may not have a show. You're working on getting somebody else to be able to hop on board with us. Don't know if it's happening or not, but 
Uh, if I uh, don't talk to you tomorrow, which it doesn't look like I'm going to, you're going to come back and join me on Monday? I'm going to be here again, day to day, hour to hour. But I plan on being here. I always plan on being here with you, Jody. And I hope you guys plan on being here tomorrow. Check on in. There may or may not be a Birds 365. There will definitely be one uh, next Monday. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.